following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Strap in, movie fans. We're about to take you 30 years into the past to explore the biggest blockbuster hits of the 1990s. I'm Pete. And I'm Michael. And And this this is is Box Box Office Office 30. 30. I know you don't think I'm giving this $4 million to a bunch of nuns. Hello, hello, movie fans, and welcome to the August 1990 episode of Box Office 30. I'm joined, of course, by my good buddy and co-host, Michael. How are you, sir? Hey, Pete. How are you? Uh, excited to talk about our movie this e- this evening or this month or whatever we want to call it, because it really wouldn't be an evening, I guess, because we're listening on radio. So, but <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> anyway, uh, what do we got for us tonight? What's what's on the agenda? Ooh, our, our big one is going to be Ghost this week. But before we get into that, I want to mention we're also being joined tonight by a special guest. Um, So I had alluded to this at the end of last month's episode, and if the anticipation has been killing you, um, let me introduce you to our resident ghost expert. If Patrick Swayze is haunting you, who are you going to call? My wife, Angie. Angie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for joining us tonight and and being able to listen to us for what would arguably be another two-hour-long conversation. So you're going to get to hear from us for a while here. I can't think of anything else I'd rather be doing. Oh, I'm, uh, we'll I'm sure. We'll see if that changes. <laughs> I find that hard to believe. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Angie was actually my original co-host on the short-lived Pete cast, which Michael infamously tore apart. So I wanted to ask, uh, how do you think we're doing so far and what made you get mixed up in this one? I, you know... I was very excited when I heard that you guys were not only doing this project, but also when you were doing Ghost is one of my all time favorite movies. It's very quotable and I'm super excited to be here to talk about it. Awesome. Uh, That kind of actually partly answers the next thing I was going to ask you, which is like when I first brought up Box Office 30 in the list of movies, you jumped right at Ghost. Um, So, you know, we're going to talk shortly about it. We're going to see how much we can recall about it. And we're probably going to put you on the spot this time as Michael and I so far flip-flopped on who remembers the movie better. Um, But, you know, I was going to say, like, what is it about ghosts, you know, past that, that really is making this calling out for you for want to do that and become our first guest here on Box Office 30? Absolutely. I think it was one of the first, I'd say, quote unquote, mature movies that I remember watching. Um, I, I didn't see the movie in the theater. It was something I saw, you know, VHS, but watched it over and over. All my girlfriends and I, we'd watch it, we'd giggle, and it had, you know, funny moments, sad moments, but it was really just one of those quintessential, memorable 90s movies. And I just, it just really stuck out for me. So, Angie, I realize this is also your birthday month. So, does August have a connection? With like ghosts, is it like a kind of a soft spot because it's like a birthday month kind of a movie as well? I think it definitely, you know, resonates with me and it's it's memorable from that standpoint, I guess you could say that it you know is around my birthday when this came out. Um, I traditionally I've had a real lot of not so great movies come out on my birthday. There was a hideous Sylvester Stallone movie that came out like a, I have a series of 
awful action movies that have historically come out on August 18th. So knowing that something like this that is really great came out in August. And also I, th- I think it's interesting because a lot of times movies like this, I always feel like come out around the holidays or other times. So a romantic movie like this, com- very serious coming out in summer, I think it's kind of unique when you think about it. Cause normally you think of like big blockbuster movies, which is usually what I get on my birthday. So I, I definitely would say that has a, you know, memorable. Yeah, certainly that's what we've been talking about so far. With yeah. Two. Yeah. Like th- this, this feels like more like a movie that would either come out around like a Valentine's day kind yes. of time, or, or even like even December and like a, the holidays and like awards season time. It's, it's surprising that it came out in the end of the summer, which usually is like the D listers of summer blockbusters that are going to come out. So even after all these years, I'm realizing that we've got connections that I'm still finding out they're new. And you're saying that you had a crummy Sylvester Stallone birth uh, movie come out on your birthday. What was that? <sighs> Stop or my yeah. mom will shoot. <laughs> no, I, it was like Avalanche or you know See, what? I can uh, remember mine. Mine was Daylight. <laughs> Daylight <laughs> came out on my birthday one year. Yeah, That's I the can't. Lincoln Tunnel one. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to look it up, but it was something really awful. And I know that subsequent summers, I've had other really just heinous movies. Like I, I can't even get you know like a quality Will Smith or <laughs> or even a Bruce Willis. It's it's just really bad. B list movie. And it's, and it's August, right? Like that's yeah. like the end of summer. You want to be doing other stuff, so they know they just load the month with not great stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like traditionally that might have been somewhat the case. I feel like in more modern times now, we're sort of seeing like August as like the second summer. I feel like there's some, maybe at least it's just in this year because everybody's talking about the movies this year now releasing in, in August if everything does in fact reopen. But I feel like in some other years, there's been kind of like a summer end of summer resurgence kind of just before school starts. Well, I'm I missed to think of what, but <laughs> well, well, d- didn't Guardians of the Galaxy one come out like in late, late, late July? Yeah. See, that's what I mean. There's there's almost like some things like maybe it's Marvel that's revolutionizing that. I feel like yeah. there's been some things like that that have been starting to be in that August, maybe early September zone over the past couple of years that have been pretty decent, you know, movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I'm blanking on what. But <laughs> oh, you know what may have come out around my birthday was Suicide Squad. Because, you know, mm, I yes, love my girl right. Harley, and I and remember you took me for my birthday. I was going to say, yeah, we've kind of had, like, a, a track record of being able to kind of do some, not on the date of your birthday, but a nearby birthday movies, and they've been kind of good stuff like that. So I felt like there were some things like that. So, yeah, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe we're way off, because obviously there's some uh, pretty big <laughs> movies that come out in August of 1990, which we'll obviously get to in the box office 30 section. But, uh, yeah, it just seems like maybe... Maybe there is some some hope for some movies in uh, in August after all. <laughs> hey, we'll keep our fingers crossed for the future. <laughs> yes. So uh, on that note, I, I thought since we're all stuck home, not able to go to the movies, we'd chat a little about any new movies that we would have uh, seen in theaters, but obviously didn't get the chance to. So, Michael, have you seen anything fun lately? So uh, I have a little bit of a funny story. So I'm a huge uh bad boys fan like bad boys one bad boys two will smith martin lawrence michael bay jerry bruckheimer i love it blows everything up it's all over miami fantastic (laughs) so i I never got to see bad boys for life in theaters so i i bought it on itunes probably about like the week it released right and i never got a chance to watch it because you know 
timing and whatever. And I had bought a big, you know, inflatable screen projector in my backyard. And I wanted to watch it as like a drive-in movie night in the backyard. And I got speakers for it, et cetera, et cetera. But between like trying to get the kids to go to bed and finding a good (laughs) night that wasn't too buggy or too windy or this or that, I never got a chance to watch it. And then last week I just said, ah, the hell with it. I just pulled out my laptop and sat there on the couch and watched it on my laptop and and like, like riding the volume up and down button with my finger to make sure that it was like, Oh, too loud. Gunfire too loud. Lower it quicker. So yeah, that might've been a trickier one for the outdoor theater. Unless you invited the neighborhood over, you might've gotten some complaints. Yeah. (laughs) But I'll tell you, it was fantastic. Everything about it was fantastic. I loved every minute of it. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, like speaking of like a good uh, Will Smith movie, you know, that's uh, that's another, and I, you're gonna laugh when I say this. That's another batch of movies I've still never seen. What? <laughs> I know. Oh, I can't wait till we get the Bad Boys. Bad Boys. And the funny part is, is that's like bad. on my perpetual. Yeah, that's my perpetual oh. list of like I need to watch this. I need to watch this, and then I just never somehow get around to doing it. Oh, they're fantastic. One is better than the next. And like, it's oh, unbelievable. This one was wild. Like the, fir- the first one was incredible. The second one is great. This one was just plain old wild. And, <laughs> and, and uh, like, I can't wait till we get to discuss Bad Boys 1 at some point in a couple of years. That'll be awesome. I'm looking forward yes. to it. Yeah, it's going to be a bit, but we'll get we'll get to it. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. So, so have you guys been able to check out anything lately? Yeah, so we had a really good one that I can remember very much. We saw the trailers in the theater. I forget what movie we saw it at at first, but we saw the trailer for it, and we were really itchy to watch it. Um, and it ended up being one of these ones that you know did not do the theatrical release, but ended up uh, somewhere else. And in this case, it happened to be um, Apple TV. Um, which was Greyhound um, with uh, Tom Hanks, a very cool submarine movie. Um, or actually, I shouldn't say submarine, really naval you know, sort of thing. He's in a destroyer. They're facing off against German U-boats. That's where the submarine thing comes in. But um, really, really fun movie. Um, and, uh, you know, Ange, you really like this one, too. I did. It was, it was exactly what it needed to be without too much fluff. You know me. I, I, I'm a person that I don't like the three hours. Get an editor, trim it down. And this was exactly the action was fantastic. He, Tom Hanks was, of course, amazing. Um, but it did it told a great story. And it was it was just you were on the edge of your seat the entire time. It was like 82 yeah. minutes, right? Like it's short. It's it's quick. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's it's one of the most interesting examples of a movie trimming the fat that I've yes. ever seen. Like, you know, there's other stuff that's clearly happening in time outside of the movie, but they're not really showing you that they're really just kind of like, all right, here's the major points where we have um, attacks between the destroyers and the submarines and they're sinking ships or whatever. And if there's like an eight hour break in between when those things are happening, they don't show that, (laughs) you know, it's really just like, it's almost documentary. Like it's really just Mm -hmm. kind of showing just the important plot points, skipping the rest. And it was actually very refreshing. It felt like (laughs) um, movie light, you know, it was, it was just really nice. And it was funny. I I was listening to a different podcast where um, Tom Hanks was on and talking about it. And he was saying, you know, this is my, um, small budget production, forty million dollar <laughs> movie, and uh, they cranked out all forty million dollars of that movie into it yeah. because it's very impressive visually. You know, they're doing all this stuff on set. They're not out, obviously, in the middle of the ocean on these ships doing this stuff. So, for the amount of visual effects and 
Um, you know, he's the major star power in the movie. There's not anybody that's coming to my mind that was otherwise very recognizable. Um, I know one of the things he was talking about in the podcast is he was trying to get multiple different crews of extras to play all the guys on the ship because they would be in at different points of time for the different watches. But they were like, all right, we got to start reusing these extras <laughs> at some point to cut corners here. But, you know, they made really good use of the budget. And, and yeah, it was just like a nice, quick, as Ange says, really nice thriller movie kept you on the edge of your seat. I, yeah, I really recommend people checking it out if you can. That's pretty cool. No, I I was excited about it. I mean, I know you're. I know how much you love Tom Hanks. And, oh yeah. And uh, you know, <laughs> I I actually saw him talk about it on the Today Show, and when he said it was eighty two minutes, and I was like, a Tom Hanks movie that's eighty two minutes. I was like, wait, that doesn't well, seem fancy. And, that and, well, they're not looking for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's that's true. That's true. But that's cool. I, I can't wait to check it out. I'm looking forward to watching that. I've, I've heard a lot of really good things and it looks visually stunning, which is really Yeah, really no, cool. they, again, for the budget they put into it, yeah. they did a damn good job. It was it amazing. Looks really well, yeah. So there's some other interesting stuff happening in the industry right now. Have you guys heard what's going on with Disney Plus and Mulan? Yeah. So recently they did like the Disney, you know, I guess it's like their financial conference call and they decided that they're going to push Mulan direct to VOD on Disney plus dropping on September 4th. But here's the crazy part. They want to charge people $29.99 to rent the movie. It doesn't say how long you can rent the movie for, but you have to pay additional to see this movie, even if you're already a subscriber of Disney Plus. Yeah, you know, Angie and I were discussing this the other day, um, and it, it's it's interesting. I mean, I, I think it's a trying to think out of the box and Corona sort of thing, you know, anywhere where anybody can kind of get in on this. I think what was funny is that they were really trying to hold that one out. You know, they kept pushing and pushing the date, trying to get like I think an August release initially and things like that but it seems like they're just too wary about that and I, I think one of the other things we were talking about is we were unsure how well Mulan as a you know live action movie was going to do anyway you know I, I don't know a ton of people where that's necessarily their like biggest favorite Disney movie and then they took it and kind of like stripped the music and stripped Mushu and stripped a lot of the more recognizable elements from the animated one and because sort of Mushu was the selling point of, of Mulan. Course, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. yeah, man, Eddie Murphy doing this little dragon thing. It's like a, uh, I don't remember which one came first, that or Shrek, but I feel like Donkey and Mushu are like the exact same character. <laughs> I, th I think Mulan came first. And, it did. And yeah. And yeah, I, I mean, when I heard that they took the, you know, they, they, they had a, such an easy get of saying, hey, Eddie Murphy, you're just going to revoice the same character, <laughs> throw him in there. Like I know if they're trying to make it as a, as a more serious and take out of the you know the cartoony aspect of the story, but you know for me, I didn't spend twenty bucks to watch Trolls World Tour when my kids wanted to watch <laughs> it. I'm not I'm not going to drop thirty bucks to rent a movie when I can wait till probably January. It'll be available for free on Disney Plus. That's the thing. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to rack my head around is that, you know, uh, there's going to be people that are Mulan fans out there, P 
people that wanted to see that movie or people that, you know, are just craving to watch something new, you know, especially the Disney plus type of people that might get over that $30 price point. Because if you kind of put it into the context of like, Oh, I go to a movie theater, I'm probably going to be spending $15 for each person. Well, if you go with two people and you're watching with two people at home, you've made your money back. And if you start watching with three or four people, you know, then all of a sudden it's really making that $30, not such a big, buy-in point but as you said it's like you don't really know the details yet on what that rental means does it become like a licensed thing that you can watch whenever you want or is it only for like that night or what and then as you say you know like probably you know as again by like you know january something like that they'll probably just put it in with the rest of the stuff kind of for free kind of like they did with onward and things like that so i don't know it's a big question mark for me but i'm you know happy that they're taking these sort of chances and seeing you know what sticks essentially I mean, here's the thing, like, you know, yes, you know, if you want to go to a movie movie theater right now and see something in IMAX or 3D or whatever, sure, you're going to spend 20, maybe $22 a ticket sometimes, but you're going there for the experience of being in an audience of 100 people, getting your tub of popcorn, That's true. putting on the 3D glasses. I don't, I don't care how big your TV is, you're not going to be able to... Like you also, you can't necessarily invite your whole neighborhood over and say, Hey guys, <laughs> we're going to do a drive in movie of Mulan. I just spent 30 bucks. Everybody give Actually, me a I'm dollar. Pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Disney would prefer that you did not do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to call the neighbors over. We'll do a drive in movie in my backyard. We'll have 30 people. Everybody throws me a buck and I'll put on a movie and we'll watch it. And, uh, you know, but no <laughs> one's going to do that. You know, like it's just not going to happen. I mean, it's a tough property to test it out with. And you got to figure, right, probably a lot of these people that worked on the movie had, you know, contracts, you know, percentage of ticket sales and things like that. And they're yeah. probably just trying to recoup somehow. I, I think they're experimenting on it to see if it actually works. Yeah. Because in November, Black Widow is supposed to drop. And if it is successful, I bet that they consider doing a dual release or something with Black Widow for the same price point. And I think this is probably yeah. a guinea pig. But I feel like Black Widow is a better draw than Mulan. Yeah. It's got yeah, star power. At this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, one thing, and I can't remember if you and I kind of touched on this previously, is that, you know, obviously right now they're pushing movies back. They have this kind of like couple month window and they're taking the stuff and they're pushing it and they're pushing it. And there's no hard, fast rule that says that they can't do that. But I think the problem is ultimately they're going to start running into other movies that are also then scheduled to be in those months further out from now. So it's almost like they have to reach a tipping point with some of these where they have to kind of go, all right, uh, we're going to push it back in theaters and see what we can put it up against. Or we got to just try and get it out there now, as you said, Ange, because, you know, before they start, you know, really running into where they're not going to be able to recoup um, and particularly yeah. anything that was ramping up to marketing, you know, like Mulan was doing heavy marketing. Yeah, they were before, you know, and they yeah. had to kind of essentially ditch that. And it's like, how does that get out of the zeitgeist at a point where people are like, oh, yeah, that Mulan movie was supposed to be coming out. Right. You know, and if it gets to that point, it gets sketchy on. Do you want to push and make it into theaters or do you want to just try and, you know, cut your losses, as you say, and try and get it over onto the uh, streaming platform and see how it does. But. I don't know. I guess we'll see. We shall see. But I'll, I will say one thing that I am excited for coming to VOD is Bill and Ted face the music. That yes. I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of yeah. interested. 
I know um, you and I touched on that last time. That I think that one actually I'd even give my money to possibly before Mulan, just because that was such a staple in my childhood. And you know, Keanu's a, you know the man right now. So the man. I'm really curious to see how that one has uh, turned out. Yeah, me too. So, speaking of my movie projector that I got on Amazon before they started selling out all over the place, have you guys either partaken in or considered going to one of the resurgence of the drive-in movie that is coming back after like 30 years of being gone? I'd like to. I'd really like to, assuming my kid doesn't get car sick. <laughs> do, do, do you guys remember the, the last drive-in movie you saw in the theater? How about that? Uh, I don't know if I've ever seen a drive-in movie. I I'm never have. We yeah, didn't have I mean, them down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, what we have that's likewise to that here, at least in New York City, is they have these um, sort of summer on the Hudson things. And they, they yeah. do this all over the place. Like we've seen these movies in Central Park. We've seen these movies in Brooklyn. But I say summer on the Hudson because those are the ones that pop up right next to us is they'll, as you are doing, put up a usually big inflatable screen, um, either down on like a pier or in mm-hmm. Central Park. Or we saw one in Brooklyn Bridge Park a while back. Um, actually, I think we saw Wet Hot American Summer yes. in Brooklyn Bridge Park, and that was amazing. Oh. Uh, the movie and the experience, absolutely amazing. Um, but, uh, you know, that's kind of, I guess, the equivalent that I would say is to that, you know, around here. I don't think there was any drive-in movie theaters on my end of the island, or if there were, it was probably just like something that somebody would pop up for a minute for fun in the summer, and it was just, you know, outside of, of my uh, hearing about it. I thought there was one in Riverhead, but I'm not sure. Like we had one in Bayshore and um, the I saw the last movie that I saw there was The Fugitive, which was awesome. Nice. And then before that, I had seen Dick Tracy there as well. And now, uh, were you seeing those around release or was that something that they were doing later during release during release? Oh, cool. Had, and then there was another one in Westbury that uh, what did we go see? I think we may have seen. Another Harrison Ford movie, Indiana Jones and and uh, The Last Crusade. I'm pretty sure. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No. I, I. I mean, like, did you, were you privy to any of that being around your area in in like Dallas, Ange? Or no, I I think we had some out like countryside. Just we didn't have that really locally where I was. It just wasn't. So I think we had definitely the movie like movies in the park like we do in New York. I remember having those types of things, but I never went to a drive-in movie. It, it was a different experience because like at a, at a drive-in theater back in the eighties and nineties and even before that. So they were, they were screens that were probably bigger than anything you'd see in a normal theater. I'd say they'd probably be, if, if a normal screen now is 40 feet, these might've been 90 feet or a hundred feet. And the way the parking lots were set up was they were like, they were paved in like big humps, right? And so you drive the car up onto like a hump. You'd have to put the emergency brake on, and you're kind of your car's kind of elevated, and you would see it almost as if you're on an angle looking up. And then we would tune the radio to a station, and you'd hear the music, through, hear the movie through the speakers in the car. Oh, see, that's a pretty nice setup, a little yeah. shortwave uh, FM sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen that with other stuff online, like when people do like those very elaborate um, Christmas displays on their house and things like that. They'll like set up a small local 
FM broadcast or something like that. But that's that's pretty clever for that. You know, I, I'm, I'm like privy to the idea of drive-ins. And, you know, whenever you see them in older movies, they kind of portray it as like you pull up to the little like teller device mm-hmm. that you like <laughs> stick on your window and it's got like a little speaker and that's where you were hearing it from. But that's actually pretty nice because then you have your car's audio system presumably to, you know, do the heavy lifting for you there. Yeah. No, it was cool. And then you have like, uh, I think at the the one of the places you, they had people that would can't come to your car and deliver the food, but it would take like half a movie to get anything. Or you could walk to the concession <laughs> stand, which was like a football field's distance away, and you'd walk it back. And you and you as you'd be walking though, you'd see the other screens. So I remember like I forget which one it was, but like I think Who Framed Roger Rabbit was on one screen, and then the movie we were watching was on the other screen. It was kind of funny. <laughs> I could like I could watch both at the same time. Like this is awesome. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, uh, back in like real life um, news, uh, <laughs> Ange and I are actually about to move to um, Princeton, New Jersey. So I think there's some vaguely in the vicinity of that area or somewhere out in, in the Jersey countryside, I'm sure. So I don't know, maybe we got to look up uh, something like that once we get out there. Maybe there's some kids movies we could take the kids to one night, see if they'll stay up late and not, uh, you know, provide us with nightmare fuel of screaming and crying. <laughs> yeah, no, they've definitely opened some out because, well, they've got farmland out there. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, I think that's as good a point as any to uh, dive over into our box office 30 section. So here we go. So, Ghost, as we mentioned last episode, is our big box office hit for August 1990. It opened in July 13th, but it maintains really well all through August and ends the month with a total box office haul of 63572000 And with a budget of only $22 million, this is by far the most successful movie we've discussed so far on the podcast. Uh, it goes on its huge 76-week run to make $217.6 million domestically, $288 million internationally, for a worldwide total of $505.7 million. So taking into account inflation factor, it brings it to $997,446,000 in 2020 money. And that's wow. just a hair short of a billion. So that's big deal money for its time. And yet, I don't think the pottery industry got a dime of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wonder. You know, actually, I would be willing to bet. I know you're joking on that, but I would be willing to bet that actually probably a bunch of potters and things saw a drastic increase in people showing up after that. And fortune tellers. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I think I've even seen pop up things in the city here over time. And I'm talking closer to now where like they offer like the ghost pottery class where like oh you come God, in you and they put it? on like uh, uh yeah no maybe i'm digging my hole here you yeah no i have not me taken to this? You. what is yeah they did have one of those in um when we were in college they had one in montclair new jersey and i went there with a with a couple of friends we like painted pottery but they did have like a molding class and you could they had like the, the ghost themed class and this is in the early 2000s and i'm like Oh, I don't know if I want to do that. That's that's a little bit. I don't know. Not my. I not guess my it speed. depends on the friends you're going with. Yeah, really. <laughs> Who were you hanging out with? 
<laughs> yeah, it was if they've the... got those nice strong hands to wrap around you, yeah. and help you mold your uh, your piece. <laughs> I, I like to be the little spoon. What can I say? <laughs> so uh, anyway, so, yeah. So Angie was chatting with me about this and um, had mentioned how a movie like this ended up running for so mm-hmm. long in theaters. So Angie, did you want to tell us a little bit about your experience with that? Absolutely. So you know, growing up in Dallas, we had all the big multiplexes. I mean, we had IMAX and the big, big theaters, I think really along before a lot of major big cities had it. And, but one of the interesting things was, was after you, you know, the movie ran for several weeks, we then had the second run theaters. And at least in my general vicinity, there was three that my friends and I frequented. They were awful. They were dingy, but you literally paid back then in early nineties, you paid like, three bucks to yeah, go say three or four um, hours, yeah. and that's how and that's how these movies stayed in and and my friends and i we went all the time my brother took me um he'd always say please don't tell mom i'm taking you because they one of them in particular was not in a great part of town um, but yeah if you missed it you know especially too if there was a movie you really wanted to see and you missed it on the first run you were then able to see it in the second run theater the other nice thing about the second run theaters and I think why they sustained back in the day and why they don't really exist now to my knowledge is because movies took so long to come out on video. You know, it's not as instantaneous as it is. So, you know, conceivably, if you really wanted to see a movie, remember, you'd have to wait eight, nine months, whatever it was for it to come out on a VHS. So, you know, there was that oomph to go see the movie in the second run. So, you know, it's definitely how those numbers get up there. No, that definitely makes sense. Mike, did you have any of those type of theaters in your neck of the woods? We had a second run theater in Lindenhurst and it was also kind of dingy, but it was like, again, you could buy a ticket for three, four dollars and go in at, you know, 11 o'clock in the morning on a, on a Saturday and watch a movie for three bucks. I wouldn't yeah. recommend buying the popcorn there, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> Sneaking a candy bar from 7-Eleven or, or Cheap John's at the time and you go watching a movie. It was great. It's fantastic. Yeah, I definitely did not have any of that type of theater in my neck of the woods. Uh, the Hamptons basically had one small theater in East Hampton, one small theater in Southampton. And uh, eventually there was another one in Hampton Bays, which I remember like you didn't want to go to that when I was a kid or it might not even been working at that point. It was I think it was just like a rundown like lot. Might have even been like a grocery store or something weird like that. Uh, but then later on, when I got like towards the end of high school, they had kind of fixed that up. So that might have caught some of the stuff that was kind of heading out of the other two. But essentially, the the other two that we had in that area kind of just balanced whatever movies were out. Like one took half, the other took the other half, and that was it. So if you missed it, you missed it. <laughs> like there yeah. was nowhere out there you were going to see it again unless you went maybe way up the island. You also had uh, like in, in Southampton cinemas always had a lot of good movies and they'd also get a lot of good indie films and stuff like that. And that's it pretty- did, but it's like three or four theaters in there. I think that's yeah. it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a tiny theater. You know, we had the Sag Harbor theater and um, when I was really young, that was like very artsy fartsy foreign movies. Yeah. Um, like it was all stuff with subtitles, something you would, you know, as a kid, just not be interested in going to see. And then again, like later on in time, um, they started to play more like Woody Allen movies or, you know, like kind of like more relevant <laughs> indie movies, I guess you would say. Um, like I think Wet Hot American Summer, speaking of, also ended up there after a point. And I they kept the Weinstein. Having, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Miramax, yes. Yeah, get Miramax afloat. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, you know, um, for those that aren't privy to it, the Sag Harbor Theater um, actually caught fire and burned down maybe a year or two ago now. Um, And they had this like friends and patrons of the uh, Sag Harbor Theater that were trying to get it up and afloat again. And like the Weinsteins put like a huge chunk of money in there now like ooh, does that feel like dirty money (laughs) you know mike and i we often talk about how 2020 puts a uh, perspective on things and that's a more recent perspective but cringe (laughs) yeah i know and it's it's uh, it's unfortunate because i I remember that theater It was a beautiful looking theater and i remember when i saw that it burned down it was like it was tragic and uh it's kind of weird now that you think about it like oh where did that oh it's like are they gonna want that like (laughs) You know, now I mean, good is, uh, news is like, I think they've kind of like tried to just ignore that that was ever a, a portion of it. And I don't know if there's any sort of other distancing that was going on, but uh, I was actually just in town the other day and rode by and it actually looks really nice. They've um, yeah. got the facade kind of uncovered now. And I think it's still that they're doing work on the inside because you can't go in there yet, but they were able to save the original Sag Harbor sign and they've got that tacked back up on the front and it's, it's really looking better than it has in, in many a year. So in one way that the fire has, has had a positive outcome and that, it, you know, hopefully maybe we'll rejuvenate it in a, a new era um, of that theater. But uh, yeah, mm. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So let's take a look at the rest of the uh, domestic box office for uh, August, 1990. So, you know, we've got some titles that are on here that obviously we've chatted a little bit about before, but maybe Ange, do you want to, lead us off is there anything on on the list here that's poking out for you as movies that were kind of favorites as a kid or favorites in later life i mean certainly young guns too i've I've watched young guns for sure and problem (laughs) child oh my gosh i watched problem child and problem child too so much um john i remember young guns i had that on vhs and like the only thing that immediately comes to mind about that is the mighty ducks guy Absolutely. <laughs> I think that was actually a pretty good movie, though. Did you ever see that one, Mike? Yes, I've seen Young Guns and Young Guns Two, and I, I, I recall. I mean, obviously, everyone remembers Emily Westerfeld in it. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland was in it. Yep. And uh, uh, wasn't Lou Diamond Phillips in it? Sounds possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it had a pretty yes. good cast. I remember, and I think there's more people that I'm forgetting. But yeah. yeah, it had a good yeah. group. In it. it was like the Western version of the Rat Pack or the Brat Pack, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> a good way to put it. <laughs> so this is actually kind of an interesting list, in the fact that I didn't realize that that Flatliners and Young Guns Two, both which had Kiefer Sutherland in it, are three and four in the box office at the same time. And then you have movies like Air America. I remember Air America. <laughs> yeah. I like that movie a lot. I actually, when I was a kid in this time period, when that movie came out, I, at, you know, I guess what we were, eight years old at that time, wrote a sequel to that. And in my, in my head, in like a little like notepad, I called it One Dumb Cookie. And it was about these... The, the, <laughs> 
And it, was, and it was just about the, the two guys from this movie getting on another plane trip and doing something crazy like in Africa or South America or something like that. It was, and it was just you like, you got to bring that one back with all oh, your uh, screenwriting yeah. stuff you're doing currently. Maybe it's time to, to revive that. It would, it would be an interesting revival. I have to rewatch this movie to remember what the story that in my mind was about to, for the sequel. So we'll have to talk about that in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so another one that's a big favorite from my childhood, and actually I was just introducing, uh, she's watched it before, she doesn't remember it, but I'm reintroducing to our seven-year-old uh, the other day was DuckTales the movie Treasure of the Lost Lamp. I loved that movie. I and loved it I, too. Again, if this is 1990, that actually predates Aladdin. Yes, it um, does. Because I was trying to, in my head, think about like kind of, you know, again, like Genie in the Lamp goes on an adventure, evil guy trying to take over the world. You could almost make an argument that Aladdin almost kind of copied some of the. Uh, I mean, of course, I guess you know Aladdin is a is a old old story, so maybe they're both you know sort of stealing from that original property. But it really pulls some serious plot beats from this. I I I forgot this was in the theaters. I thought this was just like direct to like uh, VHS. I didn't know this was a theater movie. Um, I find that interesting. And uh, yeah. You know, I too, my, uh, you know, Grace is obsessed with DuckTales. She has the action figures for the modern day version of DuckTales. And she plays with Huey, Dewey and Louie and Webigail and Scrooge McDuck. And she has all of them. And they like go on adventures with Mickey Mouse and Goofy all the time in my house. It's pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, taking a look at this, because like, you know, again, just like you're saying, I, I can't remember if I saw this one in theaters or not, but I definitely had this on VHS and I'm pretty sure I still do. But, you know, just looking numbers wise, this does 18 million domestic and nothing internationally. That run <laughs> is the entire run. They only put it out in the US, it seems like. It says it ran for 21 weeks, but it says it also did a wide release of um, just over 1500 theaters. So, I mean, it was out there, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of didn't do, I guess, what you would normally assume a Disney movie would do. So I don't know. Maybe they maybe they just jammed that thing into a VHS pretty quick after that, after all. Mm-hmm. A yeah, because actually even keeping pace with it, and we had mentioned this last week, is uh, the 1990 re-release of Jungle Book. That's, you know, DuckTales right. is at 10, Jungle Book's at 11, and it's only doing half a million less. Um, so yeah, DuckTales, the movie, did not pull a big audience surprisingly because i remember ducktales was big at the time we were all into ducktales as a kid so i'm a little surprised by that i love that it was my uh weekday afternoon on channel 11 (laughs) yeah i mean for all i know maybe they got the numbers wrong on this you know again we're pulling this stuff from box office mojo uh, because they're saying that 18 million is is the gross for august but then again like i I just told you it went 22 weeks so (laughs) did it only gross something in august then make something else after it i don't know Maybe their numbers off. <laughs> Interesting. So Very. yeah, past that, um, we've got uh, the freshman that obviously rings some bells. Mm-hmm. Um, Matthew Broderick, got, Marlon yeah. Brando. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We've got uh, Darkman, which Ugh. I don't think I saw until um, college. But I, you know, I had some friends that uh, really liked this one. You're making it. Oh, is that not a good one for you? So it's a, it's a double uh for this movie. <laughs> one I. I don't enjoy this movie, but on my other show on Sequel Quest, we did a we did a poll a few months ago about what movie from the '90s we want to be reviewed, 
And we, I had wanted to do either like Meteor Man or Blank Man. And the third option we threw in there was Dark Man. And all the fans voted for Dark Man. So now I'm like, I have to, I'm forced to have to watch this movie <laughs> and I'm, I'm dreading it. I just, ugh, I don't like this movie at all. Yeah. See, I, I mean, I was as into it as basically any other Sam Raimi movie. You know, I, I always loved his stuff. I know you and I have talked about, uh, we were talking about it, I guess, in one of the other podcasts, not maybe not ours, maybe in one of the other ones. Um, about how you haven't seen uh, Army of Darkness, and I still got to get you to watch that. But you know, I'm I'm a Sam Raimi guy, um, so you know this one made it in for me. And then of course you got Liam Neeson, and he was um, always fun in movies like this. So yeah, I don't know. This was this was a good one for me. Okay, agree to disagree. We'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> now so, there's some other ones on the list here, and and I don't know. Maybe you recognize some of these. I feel like there's some that are quasi-recognizable titles, but I don't remember what they are. Do either of you recognize the two Jakes or Wild at Heart? I do recognize Wild at Heart. Uh, I think Wild at Heart was about a guy who was dying of cancer or something like that. And, like, he was just trying to be... trying to, like, live out his last days, I feel like. That 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 kind of rings a bell, but I'm, I'm, like, I'm pretty sure that's what it's about. Um... But uh, which was the other one? The two Jakes or what was it? Yeah. For some reason, that sounds vaguely familiar to me, but I'm not placing what the heck the movie is. I don't know what the two Jakes is. Yeah, I don't know what that one is either. Because that kind of landed itself in the middle of the list here this month. It's it's the sequel to Chinatown starring Jack Nicholson. Maybe that's why I heard of it. Yeah, I don't know that I've seen it. Yeah, it's got Harvey Keitel. Interesting. Um, Yeah, I don't know. That one must have passed me by at that point, too. (laughs) <laughs> but now you look further down the list. Oh, 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 wild. Oh, okay. Never mind. I'm totally wrong. Wild at Heart is a Nick Cage movie. I forgot about this. Yes. Maybe that's why I know. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, Ange can attest. I'm a Nick Cage person. That might be why that's oh, yeah. digging a little bell in my head. <laughs> yeah. Y- young sailors, uh, young lovers, Sailor and Lula, run from a, a the variety of weirdos that Lula's mom. Hired to kill Sailor. That's, I sense a bonus podcast just on that movie. We've got a couple <laughs> yeah. of them already brewing. So this we is keep spitballing doing all these janky movies at the bottom of the list, but I don't know. We'll have to see. <laughs> now, another movie that's toward the bottom of the list, which I'm very surprised by, is is The Witches, which The Witches was a big movie, I thought. Was, uh, it- was that one that was based on a book well that's the witches of eastwick you're thinking of but the okay. wit- but the witches i thought was the one with uh sarah jessica parker and uh oh. and bet midler um that's, no you're are you thinking of hocus pocus maybe i am maybe i am thinking <laughs> hocus pocus all right but, no look i am right on this one yeah so this one is based off a Roald doll book um and who's in this one interesting so this is actually produced by jim henson Oh no! It's this got is Angelica the Houston. It's got yeah. uh, oh, yes. I remember Mai this Zetterling movie. And it's got Rowan yes. Atkinson. Yes, this movie's horrifying. I've watched it several times <laughs> because because so so the, this is a really scary movie. And I remember seeing this in the theaters. And um, basically, there there's like a witches' convention at some like hotel, and they they make these two little boys take a candy That's bar. Right. They eat like a candy yeah. bar, and they turn them into mice. 
Yes. Remember? I, you yeah. know what? I, I don't remember, remember this movie. movie so well, but I actually remember the book. I read the book in something like third grade. And actually, that's that's why this is ringing such a bell for me. And and so like, but what happens is when they like get into their convention, they take their fake faces off and they're all like hideous, grotesque looking creatures. And I, it was, oh, oh, I don't like this movie <laughs> at all. But Okay, now it's... Well, so speaking of gross stuff, uh, so let's take a look at the sub-1 million movies at the sad little bottom of our list here uh, this month. So coming in at the whopping amount of $409,000 is a movie called After Dark, My Sweet. Following that up, we've got The Lemon Sisters. We got Chicago Joe and the Showgirl from last month. That one is still hanging in there, although albeit still a really low number, although it did better than it did last month. Yeah. And then we've got The Icicle Thief and Twister. Now, when I first saw this one, Twister here, something kind of blew up in my head because I was like, wait a minute, not the Bill Paxton Twister. And no, it is absolutely not that Twister. <laughs> I took a look at this one and it's um, it, it, it like incidentally like involves a Twister. But I don't know. It's it's really bizarre, weird little movie. But this one only does thirty three thousand dollars in its two theater opening. <laughs> so poor Twister does not go Oof. on to do much here. <laughs> Obviously, a a much different twister comes along in in years ahead and yeah. does something different. So that's why we remember one, but not the other, I suppose. <laughs> I, I would have to agree there on that one. Oof, that, that's that's rough. Two theaters. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> well, well, while Twister is blowing us away, why don't we uh, go ahead and see if we can regain total recall for this month's movie, Ghost. So I started racking my brain to see if I could remember this movie and I'm going to spitball the stuff that I do remember. And then Pete, you can pick up the pieces that you think that I missed out and then we'll have Angie tell us how far off we actually are. Does that, does that work for you guys? Yeah, I think that's a that works. Okay. So from what I recall and now personally, I have always felt that this is uh, Demi Moore's best performance and I don't think she's ever looked better either in a movie like just the way she carries herself in this movie is like I, I loved her in this movie from what I remember which is going way back so anyway her and Patrick Swayze are married and they I think they were going out to dinner or something like that or something they were coming home from something and then some sort of mugger or robber or something uh, gets in a, a I'm going to use the term kerfuffle or a, or a, or a skirmish <laughs> with with uh, Patrick Swayze and he ultimately gets shot and dies and then his ghost because of the fact that he didn't get to catch his ki- killer or his killer got away or whatever uh, his his spirit can't leave this plane of existence and it's his goal now to try to find his way back. And at first he doesn't know that he's dead until he realizes that he like, he's talking to uh, Demi Moore and, and like, she doesn't know that he's there. can't acknowledge him. Yada, yada, yada. Then somehow he's talking and, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, who's playing like a, a fake psychic, 
even though she's like got a psychic studio at her and her sisters, they're kind of like con artists Wait a in a way. Wait a minute. Just to be clear, all psychics are fake psychics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, listen, I don't, I don't, I don't pass judgment. If you, if you feel that you have, you know, <laughs> look, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to pass judgment. I'm going to judge, judge, judge. No, they're, uh, they're very clever people, but <laughs> listen, I'm going to, I'm going to go skeptical on that. <laughs> I, I, I believe in the powers of the universe and, you know, whatever and spirituality. So I, I'll, 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 agree to disagree and suspend my disbelief but anyway fair enough we're doing a lot of agreeing to disagreeing tonight let's see yes. if we get a third one before we're out <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we will so somehow she's doing a psychic reading Whoopi Goldberg and to some woman that's like trying to get information out of her about a relative or whatever and then somehow she taps into Patrick Swayze's spirit and pulls him in and like she's having a conversation with him as a ghost and he has to convince her that he's dead and that he's a ghost and and also convince her that he needs her help to protect his wife because the wife is uh, in danger because I think somebody that works with him is trying to have him and her killed for some reason and that's why he was killed in the first place um, and over time he learns how to do certain things like he learns how to move a penny with his with his mind like even though he's a ghost like he can actually make physical contact with things and he learns that from another ghost he meets on a subway car and he who teaches him how to do these sort of things and then uh, Whoopi Goldberg and and, and goes with Patrick Swayze to their apartment and then like has to try to convince Demi Moore that he's he's still there, like he's a ghost, but he's here. And then they somehow convince her that that he's there by telling her secrets about things that she, only she would know. Yada yada yada. They do they do the 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 signature pottery scene. <laughs> then um, the the ex friend, I think he's an architect, something like that, is is out to to kill her or something. And then he kills that guy. And he also kills the guy who murdered him. And then the spirits from like, from hell come up and like pull their dead bodies or dead ghosts into hell. And then heaven opens up and you can see him for through like a, almost like a, a twilight glimmer effect on his face and, and and he goes into heaven and that is the end of the story as far as i can recall nice well i'll i mean i'll say you definitely reminded me of a, a few things that like now i'm like oh yeah oh yeah um uh, previous to you going i think the things that i remembered vividly about this was obviously as you say the scene that everybody remembers which is at the pottery wheel where um, I think I always thought it very funny back in time that he would take over Whoopi Goldberg and so drastically <laughs> change into Patrick Swayze. <laughs> um, you know, that's a suspension of disbelief thing for sure. But like, you know, she's got no um, like, oh, yeah, that's Whoopi Goldberg. You know, like it's not like where he like materializes a little bit. It's like he's controlling her, if I remember correctly. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, Unchained Melody, of course, you know, <laughs> and it's been 
um, played out and parodied and, and whatnot, obviously a billion times throughout. I think the other thing that really sticks in my head from that movie, as you said, now the funny part is you reminded me about the thing where he starts moving stuff like the penny, but the other thing that really stuck out to me, and it's where I'm always trying to reconcile what is the plot of that movie, is those <laughs> like phantom ghosts, as you say, the thing creatures from hell, those weird things that like, I remember it being a really cool effect. They like kind of like creep along like the ground or the surfaces or something like that. And they, yeah. you know, like it, it was scary. Like I'm like, you know, it's like you think about this movie in one respect as being a yeah, like story. a romantic movie, a love story. But on the other, like it's got some genuinely kind of like scary stuff. So I, I think that's maybe, if anything, why this probably appealed to as wide an audience as it did is it's got a little bit in there for everybody. I feel like at that time, you know, when, when we're thinking back to the nineties and the old term chick flick comes to mind, you know um, I think probably would have, a lot of people would have been classifying this movie in that thing, but then maybe getting pleasantly surprised that this it's very multidimensional movie. It's not just kind of your typical romance sort of movie. It's, it's got a lot going on, but again, unfortunately like Die Hard last week, that's about where my <laughs> remembrance of this runs out. So uh, Angie, like you say, I know this is your um, favorite. So do you want to, fill us in how much you recall about this movie sure actually mike i, I think you did a pretty darn good job i you really <laughs> covered all the bases um it's the funny thing i was trying to think back to the names like as you know, like recall these movies you start thinking about the names and i just remember they're these very simple names sam wheat yes and, and Demi Moore was Molly. I don't remember the last name, but then Ola Mae Brown mm-hmm. was Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> and and I just, one of the things I think that always struck me, because I was always a big Whoopi Goldberg fan, like Sister Act, like, I, you know, kind of when we were younger, she was really popular. Um, but her chemistry with Patrick Swayze was phenomenal. <laughs> and, and, and just how they interacted with each other. And I remember one of my favorite scenes is when, he really discovers that you could take over her body and um, this whole family comes and they want to, the woman wants to speak to her dead husband. Um, and the guy gets inside Whoopi Goldberg's body and she can't get him out. She's like, get out of me. Get <laughs> um, and then one of my favorite scenes is when, because I don't, I guess maybe you guys don't remember the whole gist of it is that his, Part, his business partner, Carl, who's played by Tony Goldwyn. And the really funny thing, Tony Goldwyn looks better now than he did in that movie. <laughs> um, but he, he wants money. He's trying to extort money. And that's right. why he's trying to get to Demi Moore is, is to get all this money. And so Patrick Swayze realizes this and gets Whoopi Goldberg to write a check. And he wants her to, he just wants her to get rid of the money. And so he goes, find some nuns on the side of the street in the city. And he's like, just give him the check, Olamay. Give him the chat. And she's like, I will. That's <laughs> right. I remember him. that. Remember it's one that. of my favorite parts when she has to give over the money. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, Whoopi is such a fixture in 90s movies, whether you're talking yeah. this or something like Sister Act, or I mean, like, she's got a million movies that she did during that time. And she was great in all of them. She's somebody, I mean, even actually just jumping over to, I'm going to go nerdy on you for a minute, but she even had a character on the Star Trek Next Generation show yes. that would like pop in every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And even that was a fabulous character. You know, like she was actually like, you've got this character in Jean-Luc Picard, who's like this very stoic, very intelligent captain. And yeah, he'd even go to her for like advice, you know? So like Whoopi was like this, like really great, like cotter pin in, in 1990s media um so you're so right she was such a fabulous actress and so good at 
at so many of these roles. Well, and I think I think she did win the Oscar for this role. I think I think I saw I, that in in my brief research um, looking into this. We can double check it when we do the the uh, review section of the show. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think she did, and but yeah, I mean, it's certainly the pottery scene. The funny thing for me, and maybe you guys will talk about this, you know, future is the poster for this movie is so memorable, right? And I think that was the other thing is like a kid seeing this movie poster was like, ooh, what are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, because I remember that being a, you know, for the time for a mainstream movie, it was a pretty racy movie a poster. Little, a little risque, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you yeah, know, you pretty much have it covered. Um, you know, he learns from the other ghosts in the subway, how to move things, physically move things. And then when it comes to the, you know, famous scene where he takes over her body and I've read articles about it, you know, just way back when, um, you know, they, they had two choices. And I mean, the obvious choice was they weren't going to have Whoopi Goldberg and Demi Moore. <laughs> um, they needed, but you know, they show like the transition at first you see her hand, but um, I think they did it tastefully and it, and it works and it's memorable. And um yeah, no, I think it's it's a it's a very simplistic story. There's really not much to it, but it works. Oh, this 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 was up for a lot of awards. I'm just looking real quick. So, like you said, yeah, Whoopi won for Best Supporting Actress, and then it was up for Best Picture. Um, yeah. It won Best Best Writing in a Screenplay. Um, it was up for Best Film Editing, Best Music. It won. A golden Golo for best supporting actress. Wow, it really it cleaned up. It did some pretty big numbers. Interesting. Hmm. And I agree with you, by the way, about Demi Moore. She's adorable in this movie, and yet she's super sexy. And her chemistry with Patrick Swayze is great. Um, the, it's just it's a very well put together cast. It's, yeah, it, yeah. And uh, you know, and like I. You know, Patrick Swayze is one of those actors that you can't not like him. Like he's just a likable person, and like between this and even movies like Point Break, he's just he's always just this guy that you know you're going to connect with as an audience member, no matter what. Just just the way he is, and you you feel for him as a character the way he portrays it. Like you know, come on, it's like again, this is a movie got to really suspend your disbelief he's like okay he's a ghost he can't leave you know it's like okay how do you get behind that and like especially the scene you know like the the, the pottery scene the the it's just one of those things just like if you look at it in realistic terms you're like this is so crazy and so ridiculous but you <laughs> kind of go with it because you connect with him she does such a great job like as the chemistry of them and you kind of like go along for the ride and and which is nice in in my in my memory now what's funny is uh, there's one other kind of cringy again through the prism of 30 years sort of thing that i'm thinking about here and there's a movie that's been in our um previous um top box office results that you and i have just kind of glossed over i think without even saying a word to each other um which is ghost dad bill cosby's ghost dad (laughs) yes i'm gonna go there (laughs) but i'm realizing it's kind of funny these two are also released in the same summer period it's kind of got the same sort of idea that like via one way or another this man dies and then is kind of you know, in one comedically and the other more seriously, like haunting his family or whatnot. 
Um, and again, I don't remember too well Ghost Dad. And I, <laughs> you know, again, ugh, cringe. But <laughs> uh, you know, it just it's kind of funny again that like in the same summer that that sort of same ish sort of story popped up in two very distinctly different yet likewise ways. It's the same year, um, really. Oh, it is 1990. Yeah, Ghost Dad was like uh, within these past few months. Um, it was you June know, that we were looking at. It. We were skipping over it. Yeah. I, I saw it in the list and I thought to myself, why am I going to mention that? And then I was seeing it today and I'm going, well, I guess I have to mention it now. <laughs> Although I guess you could still make the argument I probably shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, 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 it's funny how, the, like, you know, looking at things through a 2020 lens, right? And looking at things, it's just like, it, a lot of times when, I, when these things happen with, like, Bill Cosby, for example, or whatever, and we can cut this out, but I just feel like it's important to mention is, you know, there's a line from The Dark Knight with uh, Aaron Eckhart when he's uh, Harvey Dent. He goes, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And we've re- referenced the Weinsteins and Bill Cosby. <laughs> and it's, it's it's like, oh, God, yeah. where, where are we We're going into next? it here tonight? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, like we said, when we started this podcast, one of the things that we thought about was that we're going to be looking through the things of that 30-year prism. And certainly, you know, we've been skirting some of these issues, so we had to fall in the muck at one point or another, I guess. Yeah, there we um, But I'll, I'll dig us out. So, uh, you know, one of the other things I would say that um, it comes to mind for me when I'm thinking about Ghost, and this is um, tangentially related, is uh, is Family Guy. Family Guy loves ghost <laughs> now i don't know how well uh, if you guys are i mean i know Ange, you've you've been a big fan of family guy over the years that mike i don't remember if you're a family guy person or not i um i used to watch it religiously back in the day but I, you know that and, and simpsons i kind of fell off of about maybe seven or eight years ago but yeah i mean, i don't remember specifically where necessarily all these are from as far as like where they came in, in in different seasons but i can definitely remember a few different really good scenes that had to deal with ghost on family guy and like one of them was of course the two of them at the pottery wheel and then <laughs> um, peter shows up as a ghostbuster and like yes. sucks up uh, sam you know that's early <laughs> yeah and so that one is one that that i remember fondly you've got the exact same scene Different point with Peter um, using his uh, flab to to like mold the vase <laughs> that I can recall, and then uh, there's at least one other one uh, where um, for some reason I don't remember why, but Joe gets dragged away by those like screechy ghost things, like the the demon things. So and there might even be others that I'm not remembering, but I just remember them like really using ghost a lot in their <laughs> like little asides. Um, which I always thought was funny. So I'm, I'm assuming that uh, Seth must have something for for Ghost as well, or, or at least the writers on that show must. <laughs> hmm, interesting. I, I I do remember the the Ghostbusters scene, though. I do remember that from the show. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, you know, it just serves itself up perfectly. You know, you take those two great movies, which obviously we're all big fans of here. I know Angela's a huge fan of of Ghostbusters, but you know, like it's such a great concept that some Ghostbuster would come along and and suck him up. And of course it's got to be Peter. So uh, that's, that's great. (laughs) So, and you got anything else for us from ghost? You know, you said you love, love this one. So is there any other um, points on this movie before we go and do a a big rewatch of it that, that stick out for you as being something that you uh, really loved? Gosh, guys, I, I, 
think we covered a lot of it. I just, you know, I just love the love story. I think that's the other thing, you know, play the, you know, romance. Yeah, the mushy the, side. Yeah. yeah, the mushy <laughs> side. Well, they're just, you know, I think the other thing, they're just so in love. And so you feel her pain when he's killed there. You know, that's the whole you know, beginning of the movie is you just see how absolutely enthralled with each other they are. They're not fighting. They're not. Um, there's no kids. Yeah, so, they don't have kids know. yet. Yeah, they don't have kids yet. <laughs> they so, got that drag on. Yeah, them. They, 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 they were in quarantine together for four months. <laughs> yes. uh, that that comment resembles my life. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> but yeah, I just it's just it's it's heartbreaking. It's it's very sad and and but they you know build that suspense that they're so in love and they get one last time to see each other and then she's able to release him at the end and um i'm gonna blow your mind though right now as i was looking this up and i'm thinking patrick swayze in the time he has the same birthday as me really talking about he's an august 18th birthday the wow. kindred spirits happy there you go. birthday to both of you then <laughs> <laughs> wow weird that's interesting came full circle it did sure did all right, so uh, kind of the past few episodes in this section, we've been starting to play some games. And uh, last week, we had some fun with quizzing Michael. So I thought maybe we'd quiz Angie this time. And uh, I don't know, we'll see how well you do. <laughs> of course, there's, there's as usual, no prizes. But um, the social media people might make fun of you, depending on how well you do. Mike did a 20 out of 20 on his Die Hard. So let's see if you can get a 10 oh. out of 10 on this ghost quiz. Ooh. So... This is a ghost quiz that I found on funtrivia.com. Um, and this is a multiple choice, for the most part, quiz. There's a couple um, short answer ones. <laughs> I don't see how that works with typing those in. Um, but <laughs> we'll, we'll give it a, a crack and we'll see how we do. So I'll offer you the same thing that uh, if any of these characters or different things that pop up in here, you know the name of, just feel free to yell it out. And if it's uh, something you're questioning, I'll read out the uh, options for you. All right. Okay. Can't she, can she phone a friend if she needs help? She can phone yeah. oh, a friend. Yes, and, yeah, yeah, I, I'll tell yes. you what. I'll, you'll, you'll contact Mike and see if he knows any of the other answers um, for this. If, if, if it's failing on your front, I know for a fact I can't answer most of these. So <laughs> between the two of you, we'll see how we do. All right. All right. So number one, what is the full name of Patrick Swayze's character? Sam Wheat. All right. Sam Wheat is an option. All right. So number two. <laughs> And what is the full name of Demi Moore's character? Now, I know you were stumbling on this one yeah, before, so you Molly, want me to give you the options? Yeah, give me the options. All right, so here's the four options. Molly Jones, Molly Jensen, Molly Brown, Molly Miller. M Molly Jensen. Molly Jensen. Right. Yeah, I knew that one, too. Okay. What is the false name that Whoopi Goldberg has to use to open and close the bank account? Now, unfortunately, this one's a short answer. It says, think carefully, two words. Thanks for that. <laughs> Most people have two word names, I would think. But we can we can take a stab at typing this one in. We'll see if we get it right on the background. Shoot, I don't remember. How about you, Mike? Any ideas? Um, you remembered that check scene, but I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can't remember. Yeah, she did have to put a, another name on. I can't remember. I don't. Um, yeah, I don't know. All right, what do we think the name could possibly be? Let's come up with a good goofy name for it then to type in. I don't know. Uh, Barbara Jones. I don't know. 
<laughs> Peter Griffin. <laughs> All right. What was the name of the dodgy weird guy who killed Patrick Swayze's character? Two oh, words. yeah. Uh, Willie. Yeah, Willie is his first Lopez. name. Lopez. Lopez. Not to be confused with Willie Lumpkins for any of our um, wizards listening uh, <laughs> friends out there. It is Willie. It is Willie Lopez, right? Is that's yeah? I think so. I'm. I'm gonna. Yeah, I don't know why that. I'm remembering that. Okay, and then the next question says, "And where did the above live? Fourth Street, Prospect Park, Prospect Place, or Fifth Street?" Prospect. These Park. are deep cuts. I'm gonna say Prospect Park. Now, the only reason I would uh, shy away from that first. So first of all, do we recall where this movie took place? Was this in New York? It's in New, New York. It's New York City. Yeah. So the only reason. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you might go with a prospect park as if the guy is physically living like in the park. Was he like a hobo guy? No, they had like a penthouse. They had like a, a loft. Yeah, I was I was going to say fourth. Or I think they're asking about where the dodgy guy lived. Oh, where right, the dodgy the way it guy says lived? It, well, again, the way that they're wording this quiz is what was the name of the dodgy weird guy who killed Patrick Swayze's character? And then question five is, and where did the above live? So I'm assuming. Um, yeah. So whether you were thinking about it or not, it might be Prospect Park. Was he like a uh, like a drifter sort of guy or I don't know this character. He just, he just lived in a really n- not great apartment. I th- he, and they get his address. He he follows Carl and he or he follows Carl to the guy's apartment. Um that's how he well, finds out that Carl's we in got a one in four chance then fourth street prospect park prospect place or fifth street. Fifth street. All right. We'll take that as final answer and see what we do. All right. Number six. What is lit up in the window where Whoopi Goldberg's character has her fortune teller business. Now, can you remember off the top of your head or shall I give you the, uh, the options? Options. Okay, a, a hand, hand, hand. A I think it's a hand, hat, a tarot card, yeah, it's or a, a hand. rabbit. Hand. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, I think that's kind of like iconic to uh, to fortune tellers things because they'd be doing hand reading and things like that. Certainly, a top hat or a rabbit would be <laughs> kind of silly. Maybe you could get away with a tarot card. Okay, number seven. Oda May does not want to give the money to a bunch of nuns. Sounds familiar, right? Because they've never done anything for her. They can't even go to the pub. They can't even buy underwear. They can't even have sex. They never did anything for her. I think she was an orphan. Wasn't she like uh, raised in a foster home? Or like a, maybe she was. I think she. I think she, they never did anything for her. I think that's what the answer is. What do we think, Quiz Girl? Sound right? <sighs> yeah, I. I think it's. Yeah, go with that. All right, we'll take it. All right, number eight. What brand name is on the shoebox with Patrick Swayze's stuff? This is this is deep, man. You had to really be paying attention. You got Nike, Reebok, Converse, or Adidas. And look at me pulling out the uh, the uh, fancy Adidas, not Adidas. <laughs> <laughs> this is Murica. It's Adidas. Yeah, <laughs> I'll go with Nike. All right. I, I think yeah, it just re- depends on who is uh, Mike and I have been chatting about this a fair bit. Who is spending their marketing? Yes, yeah. to do some product placement in Ghost. <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that was Reebok. I have a funny feeling. All right, well, you'll keep that in the back of your head. We'll see which one of you gets it. Number nine. Which play do the main characters go and see at the start of the movie? And in parentheses, just before the murder. <laughs> and this says answer, and it has a hint here. It says Shakespeare. 
Romeo and Juliet. Is this a multiple choice or fill in the blank? No, this is unfortunately a fill in the blank, which I think why they're giving you oh. a uh, a hint. Romeo and Juliet. Sure. Why Easy. Not? What? Well, I feel like it's a it's a it's a a foreshadowing. What's a movie that they? Yeah, it would seem like a a like, good thing to put like a star-crossed sort of thing in there, like like an Othello or something like that. I don't know. I'm trying to think of other other Shakespearean plays. I always like to go to Midnight Summer's Dream or Midsummer's Dream, but uh, that's too comedical for this. Yeah. I don't think you guys are on the uh, the right track with where you were going. All right, number ten, our final question: What color is Whoopi Goldberg's suit when she visits the bank? Blue, pink, lemon, or white? Pink. Pink. Hank. All right. Are we ready? Ready. All right. Not feeling good about this quiz. Not feeling good. (laughs) All right. So, uh, unfortunately, it looks like they don't. We've got got right now a score of five out of ten. The average score for this quiz is six out of ten. It says we've scored 75 points. I don't have a um, basis for what those 75 points mean, except I think on this site you earn points as you go through quizzes. So I'll go through the uh, the wrong ones and, and we'll see what we got. So the uh, number three, what was the false name that Whoopi Goldberg has to use to open and close the bank account? Our our answer was Peter Griffin. Uh, although, what did you say? What did you say you thought it was, Mike? Something like Barbara Jones or something like that, or something. All right, yeah, never mind. I thought I thought for a second maybe it was closer in my head. So the name she uses is Rita Miller. That's right. Oh, oh. gosh, I knew that. Rita Miller, yeah. All right, uh, and number five, which was, and where did the above live? Meaning our um, hinky dd mm. guy, Willie Lopez, by the way, um, was correct on that one. Um, and uh, this also says he was only supposed to steal the wallet. Does that ring a bell? <laughs> yes. Yeah, he wasn't necessarily supposed to kill him. Yeah, they've got all these little extra notes now that we've finished the quiz. Um, so uh, where did the above live? Prospect Place, not Fifth Street. Mm. Um, and the note for that one is Odame's Neighborhood. Um, so the hand was correct for um, Whoopi Goldberg's fortune teller business. But uh, numbers seven through nine, we did not do so well on. So uh, Odame does not want to give the money to a bunch of nuns because our answer was they've never done anything for her. The correct answer was they can't even buy underwear. And the little quote they've added to this one is $4 million. So was that the amount that uh, that they were given across? Doesn't ring a bell. I don't know. We'll see. I didn't think uh, it was that much, but maybe it was. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was like 40000 or something like that. Yeah. $4 million, $4 million <laughs> back then would have been yeah, like. Yeah, it four seems like a lot, but that's the note they've got here. So funtrivia.com, we're going to be calling you out if, you're, uh, if your info is wrong when we do our review section. So uh, the next one then was what brand name is on the shoe box with Patrick Swayze stuff? And while Ange has this wrong, Michael has this right. So, Michael, you actually did score an extra point. On the uh, the quiz here, raising the now, roof right number, here. There you go. <laughs> Which, of course, translates not at all to a podcast. <laughs> uh, so uh, the number nine then was which play did they go to see? And I think we were actually in the right um, area of thought for this one, if not the correct play. So the correct play was Macbeth. So okay, another one that makes sense in the context of this, where the. Uh, the man is killed, murdered, right? So, you know, I guess that's also does a little bit of foreshadowing job. 
see, I, I was like leaning towards, I, I was going to say Hamlet was my next guess, but then I was yeah. like, but then, you know, and you know, there's always a thing about like, you can't say Macbeth in a movie or a play because it's bad luck. But, <laughs> you know, I don't know. That's a whole other superstition thing. So. so that wraps up our quiz for this month. So, okay, job. I don't know if we're going to have you back now because of that. <laughs> <laughs> you do get, do not pass go. Do not get $200. Exactly. Go straight to jail. Way to make me feel great. <laughs> <laughs> just think you're our first guest. Just wait till we have so many more. We'll just invite them all to never come back as well. <laughs> great. Yeah. Well, now you'll be like, well, you are a lot better than the first guest we had. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> oh boy, that's funny. So, Peter, what are we what are we thinking now? What do we got? So, uh, I was actually thinking that we might uh, introduce a little new section to our show here, um, and we're going to call this one, for the time being at least, the preview review. And so with the preview review, what we're going to try to do right now is simultaneously rewatch the trailer or preview of the film and discuss it here live on the show. So I'm going to see if I can find this on the YouTubes. Count us down there. Yes, I'll count us down. um, So hit play on on one. Okay. Okay. Three, two, one. Well, so right off the bat, we got that Unchained Melody. Mm-hmm. They must have paid a lot of money for this song. Whenever anything good in my life... Now, was that Demi Moore's butt just there? Yeah. No, she's... Yes. <laughs> Some trailer butt. No, no. Ooh, this is intense. I love this uh, music in the background. <laughs> I, I I forgot. The problem with you is you still think you're real. It's all up here now. You want to move something? You oh, it's this guy. I forgot that that's who played him. <laughs> Good character. Oh, can't you hear me? There she is. You can hear me. That's right. He keeps talking to her, and she's like, "Stop talking to me." Look at that hair too. That's some poofy hair. I think it's a wig, Pete. That could be. I just love the volume. Once you go to police, he said it was a setup. He was murdered. A pretty loud trailer. Are you out of your mind? I mean, what are you gonna tell the police? That one guy kind of looked like Michael Sarah. I know about the green underwear that you wrote your name. Tony Goldwyn. This psychic woman's got a record that goes back a long way. Don't you see? I'm not a fake. Don't open the damn door. He's a murderer. Why are you doing this to me? You hear me? Why are you doing this to me? Sam's dead. Tell her I love her. He says he loves you. Sam would never say that. Uh oh. <laughs> They're really showing a lot in this trailer. <laughs> yeah, they really showed a lot. <laughs> Danger girl. 
It's the Dark Knight music. <laughs> oh, God. Ooh, believe. So I guess that was the tagline um, yeah. from the time. Was that on the posters and things like that? It is, yeah. Dude, they, they literally showed the whole movie. <laughs> they did. I was just thinking that. Like, I... I don't know that we need to watch the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, so again, you know, like this is yeah. why I kind of wanted to start taking a look back at some of these because it's so funny to me. You know, when you go back and look at trailers from this 90s era, they really gave a lot away. You know, like in more recent times, we've gotten into the whole thing of no spoilers, no spoilers. You know, I don't know if spoilers were a thing in the 90s, if that was even a term at that point. But yeah, I mean, a intense trailer. Wow, I'm, I'm jazzed up to go see the movie now, but yeah, I mean, they, they really give you so many plot points. You know, they're showing you certainly him being murdered. They're, they're showing him connecting with Whoopi and kind of getting in her head. They're showing him practicing moving the objects like you guys were talking about. It's really funny quite how much they give away um, in this, in, you know, in what is actually a relatively long trailer. You know, this just topped out at like 220. Yeah. That's a big trailer. Yeah, it, it's um, I forgot that he sees himself dying, too. I didn't remember that part. And I was like, yeah. oh, like they really it's almost as if I, it's kind of a bummer because they kind of spoiled too much of the movie. And there, there's a lot of, you know, s- s- like subtext in this in the story that they kind of showcase in the in the trailer like the angel being risen up from the side of the building like he's he becomes an angel and they show the angel element of it at the end like they should have left all that like make that up to chance let people find out i'm surprised and you know they they really showed a lot and usually when you get a trailer with so much information the movie usually tanks but this is the opposite well it i clearly when we looked through the box office there wasn't a lot going on. <laughs> there were a lot of choices. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny. You know, this is like, um, it's really making me think a lot about Sixth Sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. You know, like, as I'm kind of like looking, I'm kind of like flicking a little bit back through the trailer here, just kind of looking at it. So they're filming this and, it, you know, this is obviously something we'll talk a lot about in the review section, but it's it's clever how they're doing this. You know, they're not doing like some like half visible version of him. He's kind of like fully corporated as it were um he's not like an incorporeal translucent sort of form or something like that in a lot of these scenes um but it's going to be fun to go back and kind of take a little look um at some of the graphics and things like that for how they're incorporating like the scenes where they got the split shot of his hand going through his face and things like that i don't remember if either of you two mentioned that she was there with him when he gets killed yeah i thought yeah, I no, we I talked about that he, they're, they're leaving the theater and they get he gets mugged yeah. All right. So you see how good my recall is. I can't recall the old movie. I can't recall 20 minutes ago. <laughs> You're just not paying attention to what that's, we're saying. That's, that's, possibly, <laughs> that's possibly the case. Yeah. I, I, I also need a thesaurus when I talk to you. Because you just said it, a word. Did you say recorporeal? Uh, corporeal. <laughs> Which yeah. I actually think I'm stealing straight out of Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. I got I to gotta Google that one. I never heard that one before. That was a new one. Yeah. I, like, oh. <laughs> I don't know if corporeal is right. I know incorporeal is right because that's like the uh, intangibleness of a ghost that they keep talking about in Ghostbusters, I'm pretty sure. That's where I'm, that's where I'm yanking my, my deep, coat, deep cut uh, ghost knowledge from here. <laughs> Wordsmith you. Oh my God. P- Peter Venkman and, and crew. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
That's funny. Yeah, so th- I got to say, this was a very intense trailer. I, one of the other funny things that I think is interesting about this, they're using a lot of like heavy subway imagery. They got the subway platform. They got him jumping onto the subway. They got just B-roll cuts of, you know, subway, you know, first person sort of footage rolling out of a tunnel. Lots of subway stuff. Was subway featuring really heavy into this movie? Well, that's, yes. where, he, that's where he meets the other guy, the other ghost. Yeah. Yes, yeah, well, I'm, I'm figuring on that because obviously they're showing several scenes of that. I like where he kicks the can into his face. <laughs> well, There's- and you, I will say the city is a part of the movie. It's definitely a quintessential New York character. set movie yeah. where it's a character in the movie. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's 90s New York. It's as grimy as, as it gets um, yeah. It's before it's really cleaned up. Yeah, Love that's true. <laughs> now, yes. it's funny, and I probably could have questioned this earlier, but I'm just curious if, if it made you think about it as much as I did. They have obviously several scenes of her either with or without him with the pottery wheel. So what was the deal with that? Was that her job? Was she a She's an pottery? artist. She's an artist? Yeah, she's yeah. an artist. Interesting. So I guess that's like a studio space or something that she'd normally be in then. Yeah, I think. Oh, yes. They're, and they're, I mean, he was like a banker, like business person, but definitely they're in a New York apartment like a la Friends that's probably way bigger than yeah. they probably could have afforded. <laughs> yeah, it's like a a, a, a 4,000 like square, square foot loft. It's like gigantic. It's like the 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 loft in Big. It's gigantic. It's, impo- <laughs> yeah. it's, it's impossible in New York City. <laughs> well, the happen. people in movies and TV shows always have beautiful, gigantic lofts, and I'm pretty sure the only reason for that is because they need the space to fit the cameras and the lights yeah. and everything in. I, would I think the so. one that they've um, explained away in any sort of format that I really enjoyed how they explained it off was in Daredevil, um, in the fact that he had this enormous, beautiful loft, and the only reason he could afford that <laughs> was because he was blind and didn't mind this like crazy neon sign yes. out the window. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think that that was at least a good way of explaining off why somebody in New York had a amazing loft that they probably couldn't have otherwise afforded. Yeah, seriously. Um, what else was I going to say? So the funny thing that I noticed about this trailer, like the the way they do the music in this thing it felt more like an action movie than a love story, you know, or like a mystery drama, like a suspense thriller, which is more, it's more of a love story with, with a a, a mystery interwoven into it, you know, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. And again, I'm going to have to go back and and see the movie and really figure out what my feeling is on where it lies in that. If it is more romance, if it is more, thriller like where it kind of lands in that spectrum between all these things but that trailer was intense yeah lots of like even like you know boom boom like sort of (laughs) things that they had um going on between the musical riffs and things angie correct me if i'm wrong the movie other than the first maybe 10 minutes of before when he gets killed and such like that it's fairly slow paced like it's not they don't rush things all that much like they take their time to let things develop where this trailer is like ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. Correct. Yeah, no, the, the trailer is definitely much more fast paced and it's it, it takes its time to unfold the story because like I said, it's not that complicated of a story. Right. Um, but no, they take their time. They try to build the suspense and build the love, you know, between the two of them. And um, Interesting. Yeah, no, it's, but I, you know, I think that was very big back then and maybe it still is today, but trying to appeal you know, to the mass audience, they had Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore, you know, look at your target audience. Okay. They got the women sold. Now we got to get the guys, take them. And 
Fair that point. Definitely that type now, of trailer. Now, the the guy who who's the other ghost that teaches him how to do all this stuff. For some reason, in my mind, I thought it was the guy who's on the show Heroes on the subway who used to be a a doctor from Doctor Who. Do you know what I'm talking about, Pete? Yeah, there's one of the doctors that looks vaguely like him, but not the same person I think who you're thinking of. Yeah, but I, for a moment, I thought it was him. But then when I saw the trip, I'm like, no, it's not the same guy. But I'm like, in my brain, I thought it was the Doctor Who guy, but it, but it's not him. But yeah, anyway, fun. So this fun. is an actor. I had to look him up. His name is Vincent Schiavelli. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, as, as Ange said, he's definitely like a character actor that's popped up all over the place. I feel like he's like a doctor very often, you know, like things like that. I think one of the movies um, that we've rewatched recently where he popped up um, was playing the role of Buggy Ding Dong and Death to Smoochie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Buggy Ding Dong. That's a great name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, like a, like a really, really down on his luck sort of ex um, children's performer, you know, in the way that Rainbow Randolph is, trending at least in that movie you know but uh yeah they i think same sort of thing they kind of like hire him they hire him to shoot uh smoochie right like he's got the rifle but he's too drugged out like he's supposed to snipe him from like the eaves of the show yes. yeah so he's he's a great actor and uh, i'm happy to see him pop up here that's going to be a nice little bonus surprise for me because i always like that guy <laughs> pretty funny i i honestly have i have not seen death to smoochie even though i know of the movie very well oh that's but, oh, i need to show you that. that's oh, one of my favorites of all time. you have you have to watch it it's <laughs> oh so good I, I will have to watch it on my phone or laptop at some point i'm sure <laughs> unfortunately uh, uh, all right so do we have anything else we'd like to recall about ghosts I can't recall anything else that I can think no. of. I, I'm tapped out. Yeah. All right. We pulled this so, one apart. Yeah, I think we nailed it. All right. So we will be back in another episode. So look for it in two weeks and uh, we will do our official review of Ghost. Oh, boy. I mean, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to Me it. Me too. How I'm ready lo- to watch it. What's the runtime of this movie? Good question. I don't know. But you know what I do know? It's gonna be spooky. Oh, goody. I I get scared easily, though. of the Retro Network.